So we seem to have had we had some very lovely comments from very our very podcast. lovely. Yes. Uh, so we've agreed we're going to do it again. So here we are. Brilliant. And so, what have you been doing with yourself since we last talked, Ash? I've been reading this story that you threw at me. This um, Dracula's guest, Dracula's which I guest. encountered before, and um, yeah, had a read through it. Had a couple of read through it actually. Um, yeah, once whilst uh, once in text, and then I got some kind of narrator on YouTube reading it to me whilst I was at the gym. Um, which I think that for some reason it helps me focus a little bit more if I'm sort of listening to it, or it means that I can sort of like ignore what I'm doing at the gym. Um, and concentrate on the story. So yeah, yes. briefly interrupted my um, soiree into the Harry Potters. <laughs> well, that's part of what we're doing. So you never read Dracula's Guest before? That's great. No. Uh, well, that's one that you're familiar with. Little introduction on this one. Um, Dracula's Guest is a story that was published in 1914, a couple of years after Bram Stoker died, in a book called Dracula's Guest and Other Weird Stories where I think the widow was just really cashing in at the time because he was quite popular. So, you know, they're sort of putting all that out. And uh, as we will discuss later, it has, it has um, an, an interesting discussion around the story. But basically, the synopsis is, it is uh, a well-to-do English gentleman, unnamed narrator. So it's all told in the first person who is going for a day trip from his hotel in Munich to, uh, to be taken by carriage for an outing. And uh, he keeps getting told about this, uh, like, Wuckennicht. Wolpergers Nacht. Wolpergers Nacht, which we will come to as well, because I thought there was something quite funny in that. Um, and uh, on the way, he starts getting curious about why people are so scared and th- sees this mysterious road that go- apparently goes down to an abandoned village and in typical Englishman style, when... Ha, Johnny Foreigner, you go off and be scared and I'll be the English man who wanders off down into the village where he has spooky encounters of a vampiric kind to uh, to survive the night um, and the strange attack of the wolves. They went and was found after the hotel sent out a search party for him on instruction of Dracula, who who uh, says, this is my guest. You better go look after him and make sure that he's all right. Is that about is that about sum up the basic synopsis? I think that sums it up um, quite adroitly. Yes. Thank you very much, and I'll just yeah. look that up in a dictionary before I find out if I'm offended or not. Um, yeah, and this one, um, if if we're looking at the inspiration for this one, I think one of the things that my main takeaway from uh, from this, and you said it yourself with um, saying it comes across as. Um, your typical, oh, I'm the brave Englishman. It's almost as though this is a parable for Brexit. (laughs) Um, You've got this um, bloke who, he's not British, he's English, and he's as adventurous as an Englishman. And as you say, he's sort of like mingling with Johnny Foreigner, and it's, oh, well, you're all bloody cowards, aren't you? You're scared of this empty village. Um, Whereas me, I'm a brave Englishman. Um, Now, I know... uh, Gentlemen, I think that's, that's... That comes across in it, really, doesn't it? The way that he he does this. A gentleman would never, you know, do this. So he has, um, he's got a cane. That was what makes him a gentleman. He has a cane. Um, just like Michael. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, 
in reality, I think he's Jonathan Harker, isn't he, from um, what transpires in the Dracula novel? Well, this is this is where you can kind of come into a little bit of the the interesting side of this. Is it Jonathan Harker? Is it is it uh, Renfield on his original one? I mean, the, the the evidence that they're saying is that this was a, the original first chapter of Dracula is what yes. um, a lot of the scholars will say. And they point to evidence in the manuscript where Jonathan Harker makes reference to some things that seem to happen, um, that are seen to happen, not seem to, um, in this short story. Uh, so that's quite an interesting way to do it, but it's not, it's not a definitive um, thing. It seems to be an accepted idea that this is Jonathan Harker. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I take your point that it's an unnamed narrator, but also... Um... We've got um, academics like Leslie S. Klinger who've got access to the original manuscripts yes. who pointed out that um, first and second chapters of the finished novel were labelled as um, two and three, um, which suggests that there was a missing first chapter. Um, we've got the Dracula mentioned there. Also, with it going on, um, Volpergesnacht, um, it's traditionally April 30th, well, the night of April 30th to the morning of May 1st. And Dracula itself starts off with an entry on May 3rd, saying that he's been travelling from that area since May 1st. So it does all tie in. But it well, it does and it doesn't, because actually that the, the, the date is so close to that night that there's no time for Harker to become the prisoner in the castle. It's almost like, oh, overnight, Harker turns up, signs a couple of forms... And off Dracula goes immediately the next night. So it's no, I'm those, I mean, I'm not the whole thing is I'm not saying it wasn't written before because there is actually an academic discussion on whether it was written post. I believe it was written before. But in terms of because one of the big things is that I keep saying is, is it the first chapter of written by as Jonathan Harker that was removed by a publisher? because it would have made things too long and it was superfluous to the whole story. Where I actually think, yes, it probably was. It, it probably was sat there as a first, tra- uh, first chapter in a first draft of Dracula. I think the story that we read here now it, that is published is actually different from the one that was removed when you read into um, what Dracula's wife, Florence, said. Um, oh, yeah. when, she, uh, when she actually said that it was a story that he wrote at the time of writing Dracula, removed it and then prepared it for publication later. So he actually worked on this story differently from, from the actual novel itself at that time. Um, I mean, that would make sense because it's written in third person, isn't it? Whereas the rest of Dracula is different epistolatory forms of first person narrative. Um, from different perspectives so it would have been a completely it would have been far too much of a postmodern take for a publisher to sort of like start off with here's the first chapter it's in third person now let's <laughs> pull the rug from underneath your feet and yeah first person from him first person from him first person from her um i thought it was in first this am i getting it wrong but i am sure you will not be late oh, that's what he says jonathan no you're right Chohan answered, uh, he crossed. Um, I tried to argue with him. It's first person, isn't it? Right. Um, you, you're making me have to go back to what I've been reading, aren't you? Um, <laughs> um, you're just making me confused. It was a guest, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. I was 
a little chilly and thinking that it was the sitting still after the exercise of walking, I resumed my journey. Dude. Yeah, sorry, from the first line, yeah, when we started for our drive, yes, you're absolutely right, it is first person, but it's a first person narrative rather than a journal entry. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is, and that is very, it is very out of character with the rest of the book, which makes me believe that I think this was almost like, it, it could, you could almost say it's the first bit that he wrote when playing with the idea um of dracula of when he was writing writing the novel yeah because i know that there are a lot of people who will sort of like start off with a story idea and they will sort of like start off and i'll try in first person see if that works i'll try it in third person see if that works and if they find that one or the other is preferable in that case they will go with that hopefully they don't land on second person because that's shite and i can't imagine anybody <laughs> wanting to stick with second person and unless you, they're right you would say that Yes, damn right. Um, damn right every time. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it's... Of it. give, us your, give us your impression of when you, when you read it and then you listen to it again, you know, what, what sparked in your head from... Um, as I say, there was that whole Brexity feel about it where Bram Stoker, as an Irishman, is telling us that Englishmen have got this complex, um, which made sense to me whilst I was listening to it. Um, and also um, the porn in it as well um, made me think, what's going on in that guy's head? The fact that not only is he seeing Johnny Foreigner as being someone who um, an Englishman will treat with contempt for their supernatural beliefs and their superstitions, but um, he encounters a woman who's probably a bit dead but with nice rosy cheeks and um, looking available on the top of a tombstone. Yes. Um, but a saucy woman. I mean, you're there sort of like thinking, well, she's dead, but, you know, um, I probably would. Um, it, 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 does, it does actually describe her as attractive, I think, doesn't it? It definitely, yeah. definitely labels her with that. Um, which, again, um, I don't know, is the horror meant to be that the dead are attractive or is the horror meant to be that we are attracted to the dead well i mean that's the whole thing wasn't it the inscription on the back of the tomb actually it's quite interesting the dead move fast yeah which i know they didn't that was it 28 days later um but <laughs> yes. i thought that yeah. spoiled it because i like them when they're sort of like Ooh. yeah i prefer them bumbling about but you know dracula has always had swift about him hasn't he he's, he's able to to move very quickly um, faster than you know, faster than the wind, in a in that kind of way. I thought you were going to say faster than a speeding bullet. I thought you were confusing <laughs> Dracula with Superman. And yeah. yes, they both wear capes. And yeah, um, they both um, have been played by blokes called Christopher. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that they're the same. <laughs> yes, you know, but you know, but I mean, one gets his power from the moon, and the other one gets his power from the sun. There are parallels. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I suppose um, I should say spoiler alert because, um, but as you've pointed out, it was written a hundred years ago, so um, you've had time. People should be getting over themselves by now. Yeah. Um, so, do we think that the attack was from Dracula? You see, I don't know. I was first looking at it. Is 
it, it gets a little bit confusing at that point because he sees the tomb, which is just yep. not locked, you know, that's been sat there for like a hundred years, that all of a sudden gets struck by lightning on that night, right? And crumbles. And he hears her screaming, but then gets attacked by this wolf, not wolf thing, that sat on his chest, licking at his, his throat. So yep. I'm, I wasn't quite sure if, if either A, it was the woman in the crypt who's attacked him as a wolf to try and, because she's now burning, you know, or, or is it that she attacked him and Dracula is now protecting him to make sure, because there is the tall, thin man that is seen on the road. So is Dracula actually in the area watching out for his guest? And he's the one that brought the lightning because we know from the novel that Dracula can control the weather. So did he go, oh, you know, get off my bit? Because he does that in the book, doesn't he, with the with the, the three vampires when he first walks in and tells them off for feeding on his, his you know, prize. We're saying here that Dracula is a bit of a cock blocker then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, let's face it, he's... He travels through hundreds of years just to stop this guy <laughs> getting, getting his, you know, rocks off. Yeah, with, um, I mean, they're described as the three sisters. I mean, if they are sisters, in that case, yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got to admit, I didn't know whether we were looking at a werewolf attack. Um, it did seem a little bit confused from that perspective so if it was an original chapter i can understand why it got pulled because whilst it does add mood and atmosphere and that whole jingoistic um i'm a little englander coming out here to show you foreigners how to um do this and that i do think it's yeah it gets mired down in its own confusing area of is it a werewolf is it dracula is it this woman who's like can become a wolf is it what the chuff is going on there which is and what led me to think is this a test piece so i know i've done it myself in in terms of uh, sitting down and going right i have an idea but i'm not sure exactly how it's going to go and like you said sometimes you'll do it in the different points of view and sometimes it'll be like He's just testing it. I just, you know, he's because I mean, the mood is fantastic in this. When he, when the storm hits and he's on his own walking through the um, the forest of yew trees and that snow and the way he got that described, I thought that was elegant and really, yeah. really gave you a, a fantastic atmosphere of being there. And sometimes I think you can get that kind of like a little bit like we said about Poe when you have the stream of consciousness going on. And you're going, right, what can I do with this? And where does this go? And how does that fit in? And then you get to the end of it. And it's, it's a nice piece, but it doesn't quite fit with everything else that you are doing from that point on. So, you know, it, it kind of was a first chapter, but also it was kind of like just a warm up piece. You know, when you're an artist, you do sketches. When you're a writer, you kind of write these these, these stories that have no real beginning, middle and end. Sometimes they're just things that you're writing to, to get the fingers warmed up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like with exercise. You don't run a marathon without sort of like doing your stretches first. You don't do any exercise regime without doing stretching exercises. So, yeah, um, it could be that what we're looking at here is a polished piece of stretching exercise. Um, 
I mean, yeah, Stoker has got sort of like a theatrical background, so we can sort of like see how things are being staged here anyway, so that we're looking at something that is theatrical in its presentation. Again, we sort of like lightning bolts striking tombs um, and and attractive-looking dead women. Like That shouldn't be a sentence, should it? Who is um, similar to Lucy, to be honest. Yes. Isn't she? I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is some, I don't think he'd finished the book when this one was actually pulled because it, there are very striking similarities to things that actually pan out in Dracula. So either he was foreshadowing or it was a test piece. He's gone, oh, I like that bit. I'll put that bit in. And Yeah. Um, oh, I like that bit. Dead women that look sexy. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, really, was suggesting I really like that bit. Um, <laughs> I just read, you know, Florence is, Graham, you're coming down for your tea. Just a minute. I'm just going to read this bit again that I've written. <laughs> Great. Um, there is a suggestion that he was inspired by um, Lefanu's um, Camilla. Yes, which I haven't read. And so I now want to seek that out. Um, and yeah, the dead travel fast. Apparently that comes from um, the fable of Lenore, um, which is the story about a woman who went shopping for fabric conditioner and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and found some. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, was coming up roses afterwards as well. Um, Lenore. Um, Lenore, the fable is about a woman who um, yeah, um, comes back from the grave um, in a form that is like a vampire, but it's not actually named as a vampire. Right. So it's like an origin, like an origin story of vampires in literature. Um, yeah, I think we could go with that. Although, I mean, when we chase vampires back, um, uh, Polidori gave us a vampire... Um, well, the vampire with a Y. Vampire. V A M P Y R E, not with a Y at the front, because that would be really crap spelling. Vampire. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, Polidori gave us that. Um, and that came about apparently from the same night when Byron Shelley and Mary Shelley were all fannying around writing horror stories. That's right. Um, and yeah, um, so we'd got Polidori's vampire which inspired things like um, Varney the Vampire and have sort of like filled into that. But I think there were obviously vampire myths before that as well that Polidori was working from because I don't think he had the imagination to come up with something that was so groundbreaking. Well, you're absolutely right. As you know, Ash, um, and I'm going to do a little plug here because we both do the Blackpool Horror Society. Um, because we do encourage people to write horror as often as possible. And I was just staring over at my wonderful bookshelf and I just realised I've got another book I haven't seen for a while. So I, I've got a box of books somewhere in a move. But um, I, I studied vampires quite a lot because of a role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. Really got into the whole, whole thing of it. And there are vampire stories from all around the world, all over the place. You know, um, I mean, the werewolf story is the oldest written one. That's Mesopotamian. I think it's in the first ever written poem. They mention a werewolf in that. The um, oh god, I can't remember his name now. Anyway, there's it goes. There's a Mesopotamian king that used to turn into a wolf because um, he, he wanted to be ruler of everything, including the beasts. And uh, but the, in, when you when you look at all of the vampire mythology around the place, they don't all drink blood. Some of the if you go to the eastern side of things, the Chinese vampires 
are more um, succubus. They they are uh, devourers of the soul and they will take your spirit out of you rather than your blood. Um, but the one common factor in every single vampire myth across the entirety of the world is their aversion to garlic. They all have different ways of killing them. Some are in, some you can see in mirrors, some you can't. The Egyptians had a vampire as well. The ancient Egyptians, they had a, a again, a succubus, which is where it really comes from. Um, but they all have an aversion to garlic. Yeah, they all have, they don't like the smell of garlic. Wow. <laughs> so it's incredible, isn't it? Lovely. Yeah, it is. Yeah, what a, what a bizarre theme to tie them all together. Well, um, I think it's to do with, the, vamp- the original vampire myths come from a time pre-Christian. So Christianity, it's got its lovely symbols of crosses and stuff like that, but pre-Christian was all about spells and garlic was a big spell used for, you know, getting rid of evil and you drink it and potions and all that kind of stuff. Because let's face it, it just makes things taste better. You know, I do. I it's got quite a lot of healing properties as well. Yeah, it's um, it things that the blood, blood. Well, Yeah. Blood thinner. So, Yeah. And also, if you put a clove of garlic into your shoe, your breath will start to smell of garlic. Really? Really? You know, gonna, we could do this. I could try that. I could. I might <laughs> try that. Um, yeah, it works. If you crush up um, the garlic bulb and put it under your eye, no, don't do that. Don't do that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, which is an odd one, really. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't. Um, because it's such a, a healthy thing to actually have in a diet, I wonder if it's yeah. And you've got to wonder where something like that's come from. If you're looking at again, this is this is a wonderful thing of looking at in terms of uh, from a writing exercise. And I can see how um, Bram Stoker did it. I can see how a lot of the stories come out from these looking into the myths and legends behind things. Is if you look back at a lot of vampire myth, like the Bell, for example on gravestones because so many people used to get buried alive because all you had to do was fall over and not wake up when they give you a tap with your with the boot right he's dead and they bury you in the ground and then the people climb back up again so they buried them six foot down you know which people didn't get out of but rich people were so worried about being buried alive that they had a bell fitted onto the gravestone and the rope goes down into the coffin so if they wake up they can ring the bell um, but that just frightened people that rich people were coming back to life um, and coming out and devouring things. And then there's the whole growing of fingernails and hair after death, post-mortem, which continues as the body gets rid of the extra calciums. Um, that also added to the vampire myth that these people were coming out of the grave at night. Look, their nails are still growing. They're still obviously being nourished uh, for that to be able to happen because people just didn't understand their death and how death worked back then that it fed into all these different local folk stories that get taken by the writers from three and four or five different sources and they mingle together that to become their own entity really so it's really interesting to see d- doing that research going back into all these different little folk tales and where they kind of link back to it works really really well because i know in in, in dracula's guest he mentions the people being killed by suicide buried at the crossroads. Yes. Right. Um, but then her um, tomb isn't at the crossroads, but it's still suggested that she was suicide because she went looking for death. And then in Dracula itself, 
the, the grave that Dracula first um, feeds from Lucy is the grave of a, a suicide, which is unusual about St. Mary's Church, that it has suicides on holy ground. So there's a lot of these different influences that you can see were mingling around in his head. Um, yeah, which a lot of them are very, very good for furniture. They're sort of like setting the tone. Sort of like, yeah, the whole notion of suicide, horrific, horrible thing. Um, and yeah, the notion that suicides are excluded from regular graves, you've got sort of like the theme of the outsider being put there. Um, the fact that we've got crossroads, you know, sort of like you've got crosses there already being mentioned. So um, this, this thing that's going to battle your vampires. But yeah, I'm still confused as to whether it's, as to who it is who's biting him. Yeah, it who's doesn't biting matter. him. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to bring um, thing. Um... I've got to have been as articulate as usual here. Um... <laughs> when you when you talk about um, one Purgis nicked, um, Volpurgis nicked, yes. Volpurgis, Which surprisingly, um, it's actually Saint Walburga's Eve as well. It's sometimes known as, and that's yeah. Seems as there's actually a Saint Walburga's Road near to where we both live. <laughs> um, I just didn't realise that. But yeah, sorry. So well, it's just—it's a really interesting part of. There's a bit in it where he goes, um, "Here, a thought struck me, which came under almost mysterious circumstances and with a terrible shock. This is Walpurgis Night." And I was like, when I first read that, I thought it's not really that far removed from the German, is it? You just suddenly gone, "Oh my God, you mean it's that?" <laughs> <laughs> what's this what's this thing you're talking about oh you mean this and it says exactly the same words so yeah it's i did, I did find that quite amusing um that he did that but yeah well the, the strange thing about the attack is i suppose it's supposed to be a bit ambiguous because it's been in first person isn't it so in a funny sort of way he's actually been really clever because He's actually saying, if you were personally being attacked like that and trying to actually say what's going on, you're going to have no idea. But from a reader's point of view, that's not a really good thing because it, you, you've got no idea what's, <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> so you're a bit confused about everything. So, um, oh, sorry, you just you, weird things happen there. You'll see that in the playback. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like... He doesn't know. And, and so as a reader and being as it's first person, you are in exactly the same boat that the narrator is in, as in you've got no idea. The only reason you know it was a wolf is because you hear them talking about it being a wolf. And the only reason you know that it was going for the throat and everyone. But it's one of those weird ones because they're saying you're covered in blood, but there's no wound. But there's obviously yeah. something wrong with his throat. <laughs> so. It's one of those kind of like, you're not really sure what's going on at all in those kind of things. But it does build to the confusion that the character itself would have had. So as from a mind styling point of view, it's actually a really good exercise in that, in what he's done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. Um, I don't think this is my favourite bit of Bram Stoker that I've ever read. I enjoyed Dracula. Um, Lair of the White Worm is a lot of fun. Um, but this one just seems to be missing the essential elements. Um, I think he's done a story called um, The Judge's House as well, which is a wonderful horror story. I'm fairly sure it was Bram Stoker, um, about a guy who 
um, spends some time in a house that's haunted by the spirit of a judge um, who... Um, shit, that scared me. I should not be talking about creepy things and then having noises like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, um, he's done this story called The Judge's House where um, there are rats in the walls and there's a creepy judge that's going around um, within there. And yeah, it's um, it's got a lot more mood, a lot more focus and seems a lot more complete. Whereas this one, it was almost as though he rushed through to the end and then said, oh, and um, yeah, um, my mate Dracula's looking after me. Um, yes. The end, yeah. Yeah. Which, which feels so tacked on, make, makes me think that that was one of the bits added post-Dracula being written. You reckon Florence might have sort of like put that on there just as she's sending it through to the editor? Yeah, I do. Because yeah. if you look at, again, going back to those original manuscripts, Dracula was, wasn't the original name right. for the vampire. Um, he said, you're going to get me to remember this now. They, on the original scripts themselves, he, he, he actually had a different name for the for the count then it came down to Dracula oh. it, was, it was something like that Jerry. let me let me I've got I need to use my Albert. memory I can't I can't bloody remember let me use this one over here I can't remember Winston. what the actual word was this is great this is great great viewing uh, Winston 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 um, Albert. Albert that was where Winston uh, Winston uh, <laughs> come on Boris um was it a vampire drag name? <laughs> there is Dragula, isn't there? There is. A, I did not know that. Yeah, there's a there's a documentary I think called Dragula, which is about um, people who dress up as um, drag versions of Dracula. Wow! There you go. There's another little little thing. Not real name. Um, Dracula means the devil. Let's see if it's in this one. Uh, vampire. Arnold. Probably, Arnold probably was vampire. just vam unnamed vampire is probably what it was called. Um, Rania, oh, Neville. Just Neville the vampire. Paler. Um. Joachim. I can't remember what it was. Joachim the vampire. <laughs> Walt Whitman. No, um, Joaquin Venus. No, I can't remember. But I know it wasn't the original name. There's a really good documentary about Dracula from Mark Gettis that uh, goes really into the history. The man is an absolute um, Dracula uh, savant. Uh, I mean that in a good way. I mean, there was the hand gesture there, which could have looked sort of like... Um, yeah. Mark Gettis. Yeah. No, I love Mark Gettis. I think he's great. Yeah, so do I. I think I he's think brilliant. He's, yeah. Very, very talented writer. No, it's not. It's not coming up there. Um, I'll have to. If I find it, I'll. I'll let you know next on on the um, as I as I look it up because uh, I never thought I'd be mentioning it actually. But he did have a different name to start with, which makes me feel that it's tacked on because it was. It wasn't. It was quite late on that he changed the name. Yeah, um, I th and I think we've got. I mean, you mentioned Vlad the Impaler there. I know that you can actually um, visit his castle. Apparently, you can stay there overnight. Um, it's yes. a tourist resort, yes. But the one you want 
the, the, the actual one you want, which they use. Did you watch the, the BBC adaptation of Dracula that was done by Gettys and... No, I didn't. It's over on Netflix at the moment, and I keep is, promising yeah. myself I will Do sit it. down. But very weird. But the castle me on to... as Dracula's what? castle in that one is actually the castle that was originally filmed in Nosferatu. Right. And that's a creepy building, that one. Yeah, that is a castle right on the top of a mountain. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... I'm going to get around to that one, but you put me onto that ghost, and I'm still sort of like plodding my way through that and loving every second of it. Goodness. So, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about ghosts my... actually. We'll use ghosts as one of our um, one of our discussions because I think that is so full of creativity that it is one of those ideas that you sit down and go, How did they think of this? What, how did they bring that all together to come up with this as an idea? And there's lots of influences going back that we can discuss on that one, I think. We're going to have to wait till I've done season three, though, because, um, yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, yeah, otherwise, yeah, um, otherwise there's going to be spoilers there. I remember I was once teaching a class and mentioned my name is Earl. Um, and I said, oh, I'm a couple of seasons into it and loving it. And somebody said, oh, are you up to the season yet where he's in prison? Why would you do that to someone? <laughs> no. Why would you throw a spoiler like that at someone? It was just, ah, just so frustrating. Um, so, yeah, um, Camilla Lefanu, um the Dead Travel Fast, which was from Lenore, which um, which is one of the reasons why sales of that particular Fabcon have gone downhill. Um, <laughs> which also has, it also has sort of like connotations to Eleanor, doesn't it, I suppose, as well? Yeah, um, because there were different sort of like, um, yeah, different ballads and fables of um, Lenore with different spellings and Eleanor. And um, I don't know if we've gone down the Eloise track yet, but it's a brilliant song, isn't it? Oh, Mission. Sorry? Eloise, by the Mission. No, no who sang it? No, right, okay, that's pop culture there. Going yep, on. it wasn't the Cheeky Girls, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, was it The Damned? Um... No, hang on. Hang on. You just, that's, you know, throw these tangents at me and expect me to remember things at my age. No, you know about music. I do know, I know about, music, about music. But, yeah, you know, I know nothing about music. Um, hang on. Eloise. I, no, I haven't even got a chance of spelling that. <laughs> I'm sticking with the damn dear. I would be yeah, putting yeah, money go, on you this. Go with that. Because I, I got, um, oh, hang on. No, I, I got very close to the spelling of it. And I put in the damned as well. Yes, that's that one. Shut Every the front night door. I'm there. I'm always there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All right, I'm, yeah, I'm quite pleased with myself for getting that part, be, right? You should be pleased with yeah. yourself, because I'm going to go and beat myself with a an Amazon piece of hi-fi equipment until I've heard that track about 100 times now before going to bed. Um, yeah, it's one that you can't actually... It's wonderful anyway, that one. Yeah, I Well, I tell you, you get me back for me calling you out on it being a first person. How's that? Call it one all tonight. 
Um, no, you're absolutely right to call me out on that. That was, uh, yeah, complete mistake on my part. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a journal. It wasn't a pistol. No, no, no. no. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very stylistically, it completely doesn't fit as well. So. Yeah. Um, so, would you recommend this one then as a story? If somebody sort of like said, "Oh, I'm thinking of reading a little bit of Bram Stoker um, because I've heard nice things about this Dracula story, but I don't know whether I want to commit to a full novel." No, um, no, I wouldn't. I think this a lot. You get a lot more out of this story having read Dracula, yeah, than the other way around. I think if you don't know anything. And all you know is the Universal Pictures version of Dracula, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but isn't the book. Um, I think you'll miss why it's connected. It will just, it re- I mean, the Dracula bit at the end will just make you go, huh? You won't get the nuance of the thin man, you know, because that's, that, that's what makes me think about it being a test piece because he shoes away Johnny Foreigner. Go on, go away, you German coward go on up there you know i'm gonna go off to here and be british and all that stuff with my english blood and uh and he sees the tall thin man that scares the horses and causes the cart to get completely smashed to pieces and then the guy drags the cart back to the hotel and that and that man is never mentioned again in the entire story and it's only that you read dracula that you get an idea that 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 could be dracula or slender man Oh, yeah, predate Slenderman a little bit. Slenderman's great. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think no, if you if I don't think you can actually read any of the Bram Stoker stuff to prepare you for Dracula. I think Dracula stands out as a piece of creative writing very much on its own. The fact it's so many journals, so it yeah. goes back to an older style of writing at that time when he wrote it. I mean, when, when was that came out? 1890-something other. Yeah, 1898, I'm going to guess that. So like it's that, still yeah. Victorian, um, yeah. So at that time, they'd moved away from journals. You know, prior to that, journal writing or fake journal writing was, you know, go, go back 80 years. Fake journal writing is what a novel used to be. And then, yeah. uh, you know, especially an English novel. So he, he kind of went back to a, a more English tradition of novel writing, but then brought it together with a load of different journals to give different perspectives on the same scene. And you have to make those connections between each other. And I think that's what makes Dracula brilliant is the fact, is the way it's written and the way it's put together. There are some people don't like it because they're expecting to pick up Anne Rice's interview with a vampire and expect this story to start here and end here and have all these kind of wonderful prose in between where actually he cleverly uh, gets the characters and you know whose journal you're reading because he actually changes the tone and the, the, the language a little bit for each of the characters and I think that's really clever um, so I don't think you can prepare to read, I think you need to, if you're going to, to introduce him to Bram Stoker, read Dracula first and then go out and branch out and read his other stuff because then you'll appreciate it Yeah and I think you're absolutely right, I think what he does in Dracula is so innovative in the fact that we've got a series of different first-person narrators who are telling the same story from different perspectives. Um, and that's something that we rarely get a chance to see nowadays. Yeah. And I think I'm on the verge of sneezing. <laughs> I'll cover. 
So, <laughs> and that's why it's been such an odd film to make. You know, if you make it to make a film adaptation of it. I mean, the, the Universal Pictures one, 1931, uh, came from the stage play that someone had done, and they basically just got the core story out and some choice scenes and and put it together as a narrative. And when you look at Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Ford Coppola, 1991, that gets as close as I think you can get to the book, even though it does change a few things. And it kind of, they all, they all get rid of Whitby, which is really annoying. They all turn it into London or whatever, where it's actually yeah. it's really nice that it's used as a setting in the book. Um, but because of the way it's done, I don't, I think it would make a really good series if you made the series as a series of journals from each character's point of view telling the story, rather than trying to constantly cross over as the story is progressing. That's a damn good idea, actually. I mean, I suppose vampires had been done quite a lot um, following Dracula, a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, then we saw it in the 70s. But I think vampires were at their best with Buffy. Well, vampires ruled the 90s, and Buffy was one of the reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, That takes a lot of... I mean, a lot of her vampires, that came from the whole, say, Vampire the Masquerade, which I've mentioned, which which leans heavily on Anne Rice, and um, the things like The Lost Boys were films that came out, which were all... In the the 80s, they definitely started playing more with the vampire mythology than they did prior to that. Prior, Going all the way through the 60s and even into the 70s, you didn't really have much go away from it. You know, there was Christopher Lee's Dracula. They're all versions of Dracula. It's Dracula in a modern setting. It's Dracula here. Dracula dominated the idea of what a vampire was up until the 1980s, I think. And then it went out and moved out from there. I think they did even have Buffy fighting Dracula in one episode. There is, yeah, and he's a really yeah. he's quite a powerful vampire in it. I think that's season two. Nope, I'm thinking Riley's in it. I think so. It must be somewhere around season four or five. Right. I think it was. I think it's episode one of season five, just because um, it's because I'm being a Buffy geek at the moment. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, well, also uh, being a Buffy gig, I do actually want to mention that in terms of vampires within the media, there's a friend of ours, Violet. And yes, she's written a fantastic book about the history of vampires through media. Um, yeah, damned right. Um, yeah. Which which makes us look like a pair of know-nothing twats, as we're sort of like here. Uh, yeah. I can't um, pick it up because I haven't got a copy. Sorry, V. But... Um, Again, we will. I, I will. One of these future ones in the comments below, we'll put a link into uh, looking at that book because it is a very, very well researched book, and she's an excellent writer. Very engaging when she's talking about history, so well worth it. Yeah, and um, she's yes, annoyingly, she really knows her shit. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, any final thoughts on Dracula's guest? Well, I'm going to summarise and say um, through this chat, I still believe it was a test piece that it wasn't taken out of the manuscript for time or length. I think it was very much a first draft thing and came out of the manuscript at a very early stage because it didn't fit. 
And I think it was one of the very early pieces he wrote when playing with the idea so that uh, that's why it has that kind of, it doesn't quite have that spark yet because he hasn't really fully formulated how the story is going to work. And I think that does come across in this. His prose are magnificent. His dialogue is actually not too bad, um, but the actual guts of the thing don't quite come up to scratch with the rest of it. But I think there's a lot of ideas in it that you do find later on. And I think, so I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was him doing, stretching his muscles, like we've put before. I think it's a stretch piece. I think there's a possibility that what we were getting here was he was starting to write the Underworld series. And he's sort of like, yeah, he's decided, you know what, I'm going to have vampires here, but first he gets attacked by a werewolf. And, oh, Dracula and the werewolves, they won't like each other, will they? And also we've got saucy little bit of dead totty that's lying on top of a gravestone, um, and they're you, probably going to come. Really, honestly, I have to get you into looking at the role-playing stuff. You have to look at Vampire the Masquerade. You will love it. I will, I will get you a copy of the source book, because you will absolutely adore it. Honestly, everything you just said there is where, because Underworld was pretty much a rip-off of Vampire the Masquerade as a role-playing game. You see. It's like someone went, oh, we've just played that game. Let's write it up and turn it into a film. <laughs> um, I get to pick next week's story, don't I? You do, yes. Do you don't know what I'm picking? Well, go on then. Let's go for it. What are we doing next week? Um, next week, um, The Monkey's Paw. By W. W. Jacobs. Interesting. Yes. Blimey. I haven't read that. Cranky, since I was about 14. Oh, a couple of weeks ago then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. I wish. Oh, my God. Right. Yes. That sounds great. Um, yeah. And for anybody who sort of like has stayed this far into um, the... <laughs> Um, what would prattle him up? Part of the reason I'm doing that is because um, these are in the public domain, a lot of these stories that we're looking yes. at. So it's fairly easy for people to sort of like get hold of them. If anything that we've said makes you think, oh, I wouldn't mind having a look at that, it's public domain. You're not going to have to sort of like um, spend that money and then find out they were talking shit. That story was a load yeah. of wank. I think that's really important in, in what we're doing because, it, again, everything is about being creative and there's a huge amount of stuff out there. And we're not saying don't buy new stuff. So I'm really talented new writers out there that are well worth a lot, yes. buying. But I think, you know, the Stoker Estate's had its share. Um, you know, so they, they, you can read the public domain stuff now and, uh, and it doesn't hurt anyone. But it's it's definitely worth... I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, if you want something... I mean, I, I, was, I read my copy of this. I showed you that last week, actually. That's a lovely... Yep book this is a tome of gothic fantasy and this is actually a mix of old public domain short stories with brand new writers so it's quite an interesting anthology that but it, you, if you want if you find an anthology of gothic stories you will find dracula's guest in it because it just it appears everywhere that thing so um that's that's well worth looking at but yes again i've really enjoyed myself here tonight i've, been, I've enjoyed chatting this kind likewise of yes things. Um, so, yeah, next week, um, The Monkey's Paw by W.W. W. Jacobs. Oh, I, Monkey's Paw, yeah, but I got told something by my... I've got a 13-year-old son. All right. So apparently we're supposed to go, smash that subscribe button. But yes, I know a couple of people have done, but yes. Um, yeah, or, yeah, or something like that. You're supposed to do that. 
apparently. Or if you think we've been talking bollocks, hit the dislike button because, um, yeah, um, yeah, yes. keep it real. Absolutely. For shizzle. <laughs> yeah. Um. Thumb, put the thumb down if you want to. Does We don't care. Any publicity. Um, yeah. Um, comments, um, we will keep reading them because we are a pair of. Um, publicity whores yeah. and if we think somebody's been talking about us in that case we will be on it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll be on it like prince andrew no we're on a pizza yes. there you go on a pi- like prince yes. andrew on a pizza yeah um yeah like lynx deodorant on prince andrew yeah um <laughs> <laughs> only he didn't spray it anyway um am i allowed to say that don't know if i am um, let's see if it gets pulled by YouTube, um, which, yeah, um, that will give us an indication one way or the other, won't it? <laughs> it suddenly goes silent. If there's a sudden silent <laughs> block there. Um, yeah, um, yeah, we overstepped the mark. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the other thing yep. I want to ask, if you want to put in comments, is, of course, we're putting these as, as big hour blocks. Um, I would like to ask if people would like these cut down into smaller chunks. It's up to you guys. Uh, we're going to keep this as an hour to start with, but um, ish, hour-ish to start with. But if you'd say, can you cut it down into two half hours or four 15 minutes or the next bit of the maths I can't be bothered doing, um, then we will find areas to cut it down and, and put it down as part one, part two, part three, part four. We are here to serve. Yes, we are, because we're such lovely people. So, yeah, please smash that like button. Jesus, I feel like a fucking teenager get saying in, something. Get like. in! You're looking um, yeah. already, Ash. Smash um, that thing. Yeah, there's a button. I might as <laughs> there. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and, yeah, we will be back next week talking shite about the monkey's paw. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Monkey's paw. <laughs>